keep you updated when that happens. All right. We're going to continue on in our series uh, called Here's the Thing. Uh, And again, I I love the title of this series because it lets me talk about a lot of different topics. But running throughout all the topics is a verse, Romans 14, 17, where Paul tells us that... uh, uh, that we're to live in His righteousness, the, the righteousness of God, uh, and we're to experience peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that as followers of Christ, there should be a measure of peace and joy in our lives. It should sort of be at the foundation. That, that doesn't mean we won't have you know difficulties and hard things going on because it's a fallen world and broken planet. But we should be experiencing a measure of this peace and joy. And yet, what I think a lot of people experience is a, a lot more anxiety and restlessness and stress and worry. And so we've been looking at a lot of these underlying problems that we have. And last week, I we started to talk about the influence our culture has on us, and we're definitely impacted by our culture. And I, I said, you know, the, the if I were to try and define our culture in a word, I said it's hurry. Everything is fast, go, quick, got to happen now. We don't like to wait for anything. And because we have been so impacted by that, we tend to be stressed. And we, we looked at some of the, the impacts of stress on our lives. And, and so then we moved back to the Exodus, and we're going to keep talking about that. And I said, you know, the Exodus is a theme that runs throughout the Bible. Uh, God rescuing us from slavery and bondage and moving us into the promised land, into life, into freedom, into rest. And we, we see that theme throughout, and we... We took a quick look at the Ten Commandments, or the Ten Words. We're going to talk about them some more uh, in the weeks ahead. But uh, And remember, these weren't the way that people earned deliverance. They'd already been delivered. This was what life was supposed to look like. And the first three were about loving God. And the last six were about loving others. And the bridge, number four, between those two is about rest. It's about Sabbath. And and that we need to understand what that means. He said, we don't figure that one out. We won't love God well and we won't love others. So we're digging into that whole idea together. So we're going to continue on in that today. Mm, bad joke or thoughts or whatever, weird thoughts. Uh, this is something I was thinking about. Hyphenated does not have a hyphen, but non-hyphenated does. Is it just me that bothers? Uh, I saw this too. A red ship and a blue ship uh, recently collided in the, in the Caribbean. Apparently the survivors are marooned. Are you tired after work? There's a nap for that. There's a nap for that. <sighs> Bad jokes. We, uh, not a joke, Alice and I, we, we, um, we watched the uh, part of the royal wedding yesterday. And she'd been looking forward to it. And, and uh, so, you know, the, they led up to it for days. And, and uh, I, I was able to sit with her 10 or 15 minutes yesterday. I had to be over here pretty early. But we were sitting there. And, and as we were watching it, you know, very emotional. Um, the, the circumstance, you know, the pomp, everything leading up to it. The entering into the, the you know, the, the cathedral and, and all that was happening. And, you know, all of the royalty and stuff. It was, it was a pretty, you know, big deal. And I, I kept thinking about this, that, you know, we have our own royal wedding coming up, um, where, where Jesus, the bridegroom, comes for the church, his bride, and, and there'll be no wedding that will ever compare to that one. And I began to think about how amazing that's going to be. And, and you know, Alice and I, we, we shared that together, and it was, it was cool just, just having that thought as we were watching this, this thing and, and what's coming. And then 
she shared with me something else. She said, you know, my, our son, Douglas, she said, I think, I think our son Douglas looks a little like Prince Harry. And I said, huh, I think Douglas looks like me. I don't know what conclusion you draw from that, but somebody said to me earlier, does that mean you look like Prince Charles? I went, no, 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 no. Anyway, our scripture readings in Exodus 15, 19 through 21. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Now, I always get a kick out of that, uh, that passage of Scripture and what's going on there. And I, I, I always think about the song. We used to sing it in church years and years ago. I will sing unto the Lord, for He is triumph gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. Yeehaw! That wasn't in there, but do you, I don't know if you remember that song. And, and I used to, it's a horse, so I always did this for the horse. Can you guys do that? Can I, uh, does that sound like a horse to you? That's what I think about. That, to me, that sounds like a horse. And now some of you are going to be like, I can't do that. But anyway... Um, I think about this song. Here's the, here's the thing about this, this song and what, what's so cool about it. So the children of Israel, they've um, finally, after all of the ten plagues and everything, Pharaoh decided to let them go, and they've gone off uh, on, on their journey to the promised land. And, and so they've started their journey, and then Pharaoh changes his mind, and he sends his army after them, and these chariots start coming, and the, the whole army bears down on the people of Israel. And the people of Israel are stuck up against the Red Sea. They're, they're backed up to the Red Sea, and here comes this army. And so it's, they're very anxious, and they're very worried. They're on this side of the Red Sea, and just it, it, can't even imagine, you know, it was, it, was, it was nighttime, and here comes this massive army, and they have no way to defend themselves, trapped. And, and, and then the sea opens, God does a miracle and the sea opens and the children of Israel rock through the parted sea. Again, you try and keep that in mind what that must have even been like. No, nobody's ever done that before. And maybe, or maybe since, not that we know of. They went through and they got to this side of the Red Sea. And then the, the army, uh, Pharaoh, tried to follow them and they got into the middle of it and the sea collapsed on them and wiped them out and they were gone. And Miriam, and, and she picked up a tamarine, and the other women joined her. And they began to praise God. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. And it's this amazing time of praise and worship that breaks forth, because they're on this side of the Red Sea. And so it's very, very powerful for that and what's going on. And here's, here's what I want you to see as we start. So on this side of the Red Sea, there's, there's this rejoicing and there's celebration going on. But the enemy constantly wants to pull us back to the other side. See, in order to experience this rejoicing, you have to be uh, delivered from Egypt. But the enemy's constantly trying to pull us back in. He wants us stressed and anxious. Remember his stated mission, steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, as I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Here's the enemy. And so we tend to live our life moving from rest to restlessness as we engage it. And, and so it's, it's like we, we, we spend a lot of time, unfortunately, over here where we're stressed and we're anxious and we're worried. And then we'll have some sort of breakthrough and we'll be back over here where we're praising God. But see, God wants us over here. This is where life is found. It's found delivered out of Egypt. It's found in rest and peace and joy. And He wants us to stay there. That's His desire for us. 
but we, we tend to go back and forth. So we need to look at what's going on and understand that we only get to dance and praise like Miriam when we're on this side of the Red Sea. So because we sort of forget and go back, we have to watch it. You know, the, the people of Israel, you think, wow, they just seen, you know, the, the ten plagues and they'd been uh, delivered through the Red Sea. And uh, three days into their journey after that, they, they start to complain and they want to go back already into the bondage and the slavery because it was familiar and comfortable. So even after that, they want to go back. Well, that's our tendency is to get pulled back into it. So here's some things we need to know. Point number one, our idols are formed when we're restless. Our idols are formed when we're restless. In Ezekiel, uh, in Exodus 32, pardon me, first four verses. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't, we don't know what's happened to him. And Aaron answered them, well, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. And so all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. And he took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And then they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So think about this. As I was saying, all these things have happened, the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea, and, and God now has taken his people into the wilderness where he's provided for them completely water and manna and quail supernaturally. He's taking care of every need. Uh, he needs to have a discussion with Moses. And so he calls Moses up to the mountain, and uh, Moses is gone 40 days, not a very long period of time, 40 days. In that 40-day period, the people get restless and they start trying to take matters into their own hands again because they don't like to wait because that's what culture does. And they go to Aaron, who's kind of in charge, and they say, hey, make a, make a, we need you to make a God for us because we don't know what happened to the one that we had and we don't even know this Moses guy anyway. Psh, who's Moses? And so Aaron goes, yeah, okay, bring me all your, your gold and stuff and I'll melt it down and I'll make this idol. And then they give this idol the name Elohim, which is the name of God, the one who delivered them. It's a, it's a terrible, terrible thing that took place in the process. And that's what happened there when they were happening. So let me say this, that because that, I want to make sure you hear it. Most of our idols, most of our little G-gods are formed when we're restless and when we're anxious. That's where addictions come from. That's where issues come from. That's where problems come from. We're looking for a solution. And what we do is start creating these other things in place of God. Because we, we, we struggle and we don't trust the way that we should. And so we pick it up on our own. And we're over here and we're anxious and we're stressed and we're worried. That's why when we, we looked at the Ten Commandments, the, the Ten Words, uh, and uh, it said, you know, God says this. He says, listen, you, you can't have any other gods before me at all, and you can't bring me into your culture by, by making graven images, and you, you can't bring, bring me down to you, uh, he says, and then if you're, if you're going to follow me, uh, if you're going to take my name, don't take it in vain. Don't call yourself a follower of God and then not follow God. You know, that, that third commandment isn't about a cuss word. It's about taking God's name and then not living up to it on your journey. And so those are the first three. And they're really about how we're to love God above all else. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. We're to love God. We're to trust Him. We're to know that He's got us in our life. And, and, and so we have those three that He's laid out there. And then we're hitting number four, which is one I want us to get to. And that's about Sabbath. 
And the last six are about treating others. And remember when, when uh, Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? And Jesus said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, just think about this. If the first three commandments are about loving God and the last six are about loving others, that fourth one is about loving yourself. And where we learn to what that looks like is by understanding how important it is for us to enter into the rest of God. And that's what Sabbath is. Now, often people, at times we've taken Sabbath and we think, well, Sabbath is just a day or Sabbath is just a rest. But Sabbath is far more than that. And, and we have to look at that. So let me start this by saying point number two is that Sabbath is a reset I know it looks a lot like rest, but there's an extra E in there on purpose. Sabbath is a reset. So let's look at this in Deuteronomy 15, verse 1. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. And this is how it is to be done. Every creditor shall cancel the loan he has made to his fellow Israelite. He shall not require payment from his fellow Israelite or brother, because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. So um, most of the time when we think about Sabbath, we think about the Sabbath day being the, the seventh day on a, in a seven-day week. There's six days of, of, you know, in the week, and then the seventh day is a day of rest. But Sabbath is more than a day. Here we have Sabbath as an entire year. It's a year at the end of six years. And what the Israelites were to do at the end of, six, at the, end of the sixth year, the beginning of the seventh year, there was a major reset that happened, and so all of the debt was wiped clean. That's a pretty good system, right? out of debt. Everybody's out of debt. Just like that. Really significant because of the idea of Sabbath. Now, here's what, where it went even further is that they would also in this seventh year, this Sabbath year, is they would let all of their slaves go. Now, let's understand what this idea of slavery was in, in this culture. If you owed someone, if you were in debt to someone that you couldn't pay off, what you did was you in effect sold yourself to them. You became their slave in order to pay off the debt. And, and that's what's happening. That's what the slavery is all about. So, so these people um, who had been in debt and had sold themselves into slavery, um, they were going to be set free. But, but you listen, verse 12, if a fellow Hebrew, man or woman, sells himself to you and serves you six years, in the seventh year you must let him go free. And when you release him, do not send him away empty-handed. Supply him liberally from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. And that is why I give you this command today. So here's what happens. Not only is everybody's debt wiped out, um, you, you take these people who had been your slaves because they were indebted to you. Not only are you just going to set them free, you're going to go up into the jewelry box and you're going to get some of your best jewelry and you're going to go into your cash box and you're going to get some of your cash and you're going to go into your closet and you're get some of your best clothes and you're, you're going to go into your fields and your produce and you're going to get some of that stuff, your first fruits, and you're going to bless all of these people with it before you send them away. You think, why in the world are you doing that? Well, God wants them to remember. God's like, do you remember when you left Egypt? I had them give you jewelry and clothing and money. And and you're going to do that when you release your slaves as well, because you're going to remember that you were a slave in Egypt. See, the, the, the big idea of Sabbath is, is what he wants us to do first and foremost, is to remember we're to remember what he's done for us. We're to remember that we were all once in slavery and bondage to the enemy. And, and that this whole idea is to stop and remember. 
See, if we don't remember, we become so much like the culture that we don't make an impact. And, and we, we get sucked back into that whole process. And, and all of a sudden, we don't love God the way we're supposed to. And we don't love others the way we're supposed to. Because we're, we're what it's all about. We're, we're wrapped up in this bondage and this slavery and, and this big giant mess where there's nothing but anxiety and worry. And, and we, we, we sort of look at God as someone who's trying to, you know, we're trying to get him to help us do what we want to do. And we look at people in one of two ways, as I said last week, either they're just an annoyance or there's something that we can use, someone that we can use to get what we want. And that's why it's so important that we get a hold of this idea of Sabbath, a reset, a time when we stop and really remember who we are, who we were, what God has done in order that we might have life. And, and, and so that's sort of the big idea behind this whole process. And, and whether it's once, one day a week and then, you know, however that works, but it's bigger than just a day. It's remembering. It's stopping. I, I believe it's constantly stopping and remembering what God has done that we might have life and that, that, you know, Jesus' mission is for us to have full and abundant life and that we have an enemy trying to steal it away from us and being aware of it so we don't get trapped and pulled back onto that side of the Red Sea. See, because God, point three, wants to restore. God is a God of restoration. He's a God of restoration. That's what God does. God wants to rescue us and He wants to restore us. That's the heart of God. And and when you get a hold of that idea, when you look at the entire Bible, you'll start seeing that theme in in story after story after story. And if you're not looking through through that lens, you'll miss all these amazing things that are happening that God wants you to get a hold of because He's just all the way along, all the way through the Old Testament. He's he's preparing us for Jesus and what Jesus is going to do. So I wanted to share with you a story so you could kind of see how that's happening all the time. This is a story in 2 Kings 6. One through seven is a story about Elisha and his school of prophets. Let me read it to you. Verse one, the company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to live. And he said, go. And then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? Elisha says, I will. And he went with them and they went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried. It was borrowed. And the man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it in there, made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. And then the man reached out his hand and he took it. Now, you might read that and go, okay, I don't, I don't see where you're heading with this because I've been telling you that these stories all have this, this redemptive theme um, of, of getting out of slavery and getting out of oppression and moving towards a place of rest, the, the promised land, and that, that, that's what God's doing. So here's what's happening in this story. So Elisha, uh, he's got a school of prophets. He's teaching people how to be prophets, the ones that have the gift on them. And their schoolhouse is too small, not big enough. Too many young prophets. And they, uh, they say, hey, look, our little schoolhouse here isn't big enough. We need to go and get some more logs so we can build a bigger cabin. And Elisha says, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And then uh, he said, why don't you go and do that? And, and they said, well, would you come with us? He goes, sure, I'll go with you. I, I think he was just kind of using it as a learning and teaching experience. I don't imagine Elisha was grabbing an axe and cutting down trees because he had all these young folks to do that, these young guys. And uh, so off they go. And they go to the Jordan. Oh, whenever you see something happen in the Jordan, let it grab your attention. Pretty significant. Always something going on at the Jordan. 
Um, and, you know, it usually has to do with deliverance and rescue. You know, the, the, there was a rescue when the, the people of Israel went across it one time at a different time, not the Red Sea. It's where uh, John the Baptist baptized. Uh, Jesus was baptized. It's, it's a picture of that process. So just have that in mind. There's something going on. And they go down to get some logs, and they, they have their axes, and they're cutting down some trees. And one of the guys is swinging away at a tree, and all of a sudden the axe head pops off and falls into the Jordan River. Um, it's lost. It's not like they have scuba equipment uh, when this is happening. There's no snorkels handy. It's just gone. And you think, well, so what's the big deal? Why is this young prophet so worried? Well, here's the situation. An iron axe head back then was a very valuable thing. So this was worth a lot of money. This young prophet had borrowed this, and now he was going to owe the person he borrowed from for this iron axe head. This, then the school of prophets, there wasn't any money. He wouldn't have had any money to pay it. What was he going to have to do in order to repay this debt? He was going to have to go into slavery. That's what was going on. And God over and over again wants to rescue us from slavery. He doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't want us to be indebted in that situation. And so when Elisha performs this miracle, the first thing that he's doing is he's rescuing this young guy from the potential slavery and the indebtedness that he was in, which is really cool. All right, another thing that's going on there that you need to see, and, and when you see this, you'll start seeing it all over the place in the Scripture. So uh, the axe head is lost, and Elisha gets a stick. Most translations, it's a tree. It's a better translation. And he takes the tree, and he throws it into the water, and the, there's a, in effect, there's a resurrection of sorts when the axe head comes up to the front. Now, when, when you see that reference to a tree... It's, it's pointing to the work of Jesus who was nailed to a tree for our redemption. And it, it's a picture, this whole story is a picture of the redemptive work of Christ that we're all going to need to be set free from slavery and bondage. And, and the water, this, this, this living water that's there, you know, that Jesus promises the living water, the Holy Spirit. And, and so our, our, our redemption and our release comes through what Jesus did at the cross and by the infilling of the Holy Spirit so that we can find life of peace and joy and rest, because that's what the kingdom is all about. And it's happening here in this amazing story right before you. That's what's taking place. It's a foreshadowing of all those things. And a third thing that's really cool, and you've got to catch it, once was lost, what was lost is found. God does that. What was lost is restored. God is a God of restoration. And, and I want you to just sort of hang on to that this week, that God is a God of restoration. Some of you have, have lost things in your life. Some, some, you know, we went through a hurricane not that long ago. Some, there was tremendous loss for some of you. Some have, some have lost peace in your life. Some have lost joy in your life. Some have, have you know, lost relationships in, in your life. And, and, and some of you, you're, you're, you're tired of waiting. You're, you, some of you are just in all these places. And this is what you need to hear from God. Listen, if you would just trust me, Put me first. Remember who I am, what I've done. And you will start to see th these restorative things happening in your own life because it all happens this side of the Red Sea. And yet we're constantly being dragged back. And God wants us to stay here and learn to trust and learn to have life and, and, and know that we can just find that in Him. So, so I want you to really sort of think about that this week, you know, uh, just, just kind of hanging on. When you start to feel yourself anxious or worried or stressed, you know, just do that. Maybe it'll help you pull back.
But, but think about what's going on, because life is over here on this side of the Red Sea, not stuck back there. And so think about that this week, and we're going we're gonna to talk some more about this next week. There's some more stuff going on that I want you to see. But uh, very important that we sort of figure out this idea of Sabbath. It's about remembering what He's done, what He's going to do, and what He's promised. So I'm going to wrap it up there for today. Ministry team, those are here, why don't you head over to the wall. People on the way over that wall are here to pray for you. And uh, if you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. But let me pray for you as a group, and then we'll dismiss. Father, we are so thankful for who you are in our lives. And that, God, you want us to experience life full and abundant. You want us to live a restored life, free from the indebtedness and the bondage. And so I I pray, Papa, that, that we would just trust you, put you first. And that as we do, not only would it change us, but it would change the world around us. That you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray again today for every church in this area, Lord, where your word is preached. We ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more, just one more lost child back to you, just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You are such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer for anything today, the folks over there will pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever you got. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that too. It's humility and faith. In humility... It's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. You've sinned. Asking Him to forgive you, which He'll do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you have never prayed a prayer like that, do it today. Best decision you will ever make. And if you need help, just go and ask somebody over there. Just say, I want to know Jesus. They'll know exactly what you mean. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I would encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have lunch, Lord, thank you for the food you provided today. Bless that. Everybody that made it possible, we love you so much, God. Praise God from whom. bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace and go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayers over there. Lunch will be in the back. As you go, drive safely.